Anecdotes for success. Level up with truth, meaning, trade-offs, perspective. All right, Matt, we have Scott. Uh, He'll tell us the story. I'm sure I, I know him as the old dog, Scott. But but I'm excited to have him on the podcast tonight because I've been drawn to his account for several years. We've DM'd on Twitter and mm-hmm. uh, and I've built so many good relationships on Twitter. But his account, Matt, is super authentic. Uh, like when he tweets, I really feel like he's just talking like he's going to talk tonight. Like there's no doubt about it. And I can't wait for you to hear his take on education, his take on society. And and I was pitting you earlier as the evil business owner, Matt, and and you know I don't believe that. I mean, at all. But mm-hmm. but I had to say that. So Scott, welcome. Well, thank you. Um, you know, like we were saying earlier, this is a couple of years in the in the making, uh, Paul. We've been we've been chatting back and forth and DMing and liking each other's tweets and stuff for a very long time now, and so this is pretty cool. Um, with that, and so we were just talking about my my handle the old dog scott and it started so i started twitter just basically to get stuff on like the oregon ducks and maybe the trailblazers and stuff like that and that you know i thought that was pretty cool and then sort of started sliding into some other stuff and found some other things that were kind of interesting and then i got this weird idea that i kind of wanted to start you know maybe building my own sort of twitter presence and and but I didn't really have, I mean, I, I was a teacher and, and, you know, I was like, ah, oh, nobody cares about that. And, you know, uh, all these sorts of things going on. And, but I had, I had a beautiful Australian shepherd and his name was Archie. And actually I think he might still be the, the, the banner on my, on my Twitter account. But, um, and so I got a picture of him, a cool picture of him. And, and I'm like, well, I'm kind of old. My name is Scott. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll just, be the, I'll just be the old dog Scott. Um, the funny thing was, is that people that knew me, um, you know, from here in real life, uh, you know, sort of they 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 saw it on there and they're like, "Old dog Scott." I mean, everybody was just like, "What is that all about?" And I was like, "Yeah, I I, I had to come up with something. That was my niche." <laughs> and so yeah, I'm still the old dog Scott on there, but I that's the only place. So anyway. <laughs> I, I love it. We're, we're Matt, before you, Matt always asks all the questions and then I try to chime in. Matt, Matt's just a super curious guy. I, I mean, I, I do well myself, but Scott, uh-huh. the great thing about these podcasts is uh, when I bring Matt in, I'm like, hey, I got a guest and he never knows who the guest's going to be till he just saw you come on the Zoom screen. <laughs> and so he knows nothing. And that's why he's right. so curious. But see if I get this right, Scott, you're uh, am I allowed to give a guest to your age? You don't care, yes. right? Go for it. <laughs> I know you're in, I know you're in your second half of your fifties, right? Yeah. And he's a, a PE teacher, right? Yes. Elementary. Yes. So you're 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 a you're a superhero to little kids because I, yeah. I think that's when little kids still like to be physically active and move, but but I know it's getting more difficult. But I tell you what, that age has gone down. Um, as far as that, I mean, second graders, I'm an absolute superhero. I mean, we have a great time and, and they are, they are all over every single thing that we ever do is the greatest thing they've ever done. And so, um, third graders are are still pretty good. Fourth graders, they're starting to kind of separate. And then by fifth and sixth, you know, the kids that want to play still play. Um, the kids that don't, they're tough. Um, you know, and, the population that I served in my previous school was very low uh, socioeconomically, um, primarily, um, you know, most of them were uh, either newcomers or had been here a very short time from Mexico. We had about a 90 percent um, of, of our school was uh, Latino and great kids, awesome, super kids, but um, had no opportunities to really move or play or do anything because they lived in kind of a downtown area of, uh, of a fairly good sized city, 125,000 people in the city. So movement was an option to them and play was an option to them and play to them was, was video games or computer games and things like that. So, 
um, it was a lot of work. I mean, it was, it was tough, but we, we have a good time. And, you know, my philosophy, I'm, I, I'm not very good at being on the sidelines um, for, for as, as a teacher. So I'm a much better point guard than I am a coach. And, and so I play with them all the time. And so, you know, this last year we had nine classes a day and I was playing nine, you know, for a half an hour. Um, and, and we start immediately. I mean, you know, we got to get these kids running and playing and laughing. And so, um, yeah, I, I love being an elementary school PE teacher. It's the best. And I, I know you, you tweet a lot about movement and the outdoors mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I know that's that's your mission and your purpose, and uh, I don't know how far back you want to go, but I feel like so many people miss out on that. I I would agree. Um, you know, it's interesting. So for me, growing up, um, you know, I learned how to climb a tree by climbing a tree, <laughs> and you know, we went we went in the woods and we were playing, you know, capture the flag and and chasing each other, playing tag, and we were you know trying to escape the boogeyman, and we were trying to, um, you know, do all sorts of things, and it was in the woods, and it was constant movement, constant action, you know, and then we would play some baseball, you know, but then we'd go back out in the woods, and then we come back and play some basketball, but then we would go, you know, out to the field, and then we'd play some football, and you know, and it, and it was such an idyllic way to grow up. I actually grew up in this area that I'm living in now, um, you know, and Portland was a was a city of, you know, 350,000 and maybe a metropolitan area of probably a little less than a million when I was growing up. You know, now it's two and a half, three million for the metropolitan area. And everything is so close together in the woods. There, Nobody goes out in the woods anymore. Nobody does these things. And it's that is such a, that's such a tragedy because that, you know, there was no parents there and, and they weren't watching us. They weren't watching over us. They weren't dictating the rules. They weren't telling us how to get along with each other. We had to figure all of that stuff out every bit. And then we took all those skills to school. And then in our, our PE classes, we could apply, you know, those negotiation skills with each other. We could apply those, um, you know, the, the way to scale games so that everybody had a role, um, you know, because when when you're playing a game, the point of the game is to keep playing the game, you know. And so you learn how to even out teams, you know, because the point wasn't necessarily to win. The point was to keep the game going. And. The kids that I just recently taught had none of that at all. And so my class was about as much of that as I possibly could, um, could set up. And so we got the rope out and we've got all kinds of stuff and they were swinging on the rope and they were, um, you know, jumping off the stage and, you know, we had mats everywhere so they could, they could, you know, jump and roll and fall and, and, and get up and, you know, take falling down without taking offense, you know, things like that. And because they just, they just missed out on it. So yeah, I, 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 that makes me sad. Yeah, Scott, you, you actually answered one of the first questions I had when you mentioned about people, the kids not playing like they used to, you know, my, Mm -hmm. my question was going to be, what's the downside to that? Forget the physical fitness part of it, which is obvious, but the, Mm -hmm. but what's the other part of it? And you just explained that very mm-hmm. well i think and and um you know because because i was curious what your thoughts were with that someone who's obviously been doing it a long time mm-hmm. so is is that what you see to kind of back up to what you just said is kids aren't as able to negotiate their environment the real world through mm-hmm. through nego- literal negotiation as in what, what you're just talking about and and um and then as you said as well you know the point of play is to continue the game it's almost like life mm-hmm. right the point mm-hmm. is to continue to be able to ask back into the game to play whether it's whether it's baseball capture the flag business um hanging out mm-hmm. with your friends whatever the case may be so yeah. when when have you seen these changes uh and what are what are the results of those changes you know, um, so we moved back up here, um, back up to the Portland area eight years ago. I, I spent the previous 10 years in a uh, K through eight school in rural uh, Southern Oregon. And 
that was very much more along the lines of what um, I grew up doing um, with that. And so, and so those kids were outside a lot, but then we were outside a lot at school and doing a lot of just stuff. And the point was to move. The point was not to win. The point was not to dominate your, your opponent. The point was not to, you know, score a touchdown and, and do a touchdown dance or anything like that. Again, the point was to continue the game. The point was to find roles for everyone um, in the game, or actually I shouldn't even say find roles for, allow everyone to find their role, Mm. um, you know, with that. And when the point is only about who wins, then, then that becomes, that becomes the total and complete focus. And the kids that maybe aren't skilled enough or maybe aren't um, aggressive enough, who maybe um, aren't really confident enough to try to engage in that game, there's nothing for them. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, they, nobody wants to get dominated. Nobody wants to try their best and, and, you know, continually get beat and not have a chance to win. We learned how to get a, a way uh, around that when I was a kid, because the game, the game was the most important. Winning wasn't the most important. And I think, um, when we moved back up here, I noticed that a great deal more. It's gotten much worse in the last three, four years um, with that. But those skills that you mentioned, the negotiation one is huge. And and the ability to to be aware of yourself and kind of your own feelings and what's going on in the game, Um, not just just your physical self, but your emotional self, right? And trying to stay calm, trying to stay, you know, that engaged, engaged but calm you know, so you can make the next move, those things, but being aware of what everyone else is doing. And then at the same time, being aware of the kind of the, the macro thing, which is, is this game working for everyone? Right. And caring about whether this game is working for everyone. And, you know, so that is a, that's tough. And, and my kids and my previous, that the, the school I'm just uh, taught at, and it's a, that's a hard lesson for them because, all they see is win, win, win. They see Ronaldo and doing his goal celebrations, and that's all they want to do. Um, and that's all they kind of understand, and that's their impression of what games are. And that's a tough impression to get over. You, you, uh, Just by the way you're talking, it brings me back to my favorite movie, The Sandlot. <laughs> that's a great movie. Because if you think about it, it was just playing the game. Like yep. they, they weren't even playing for the most of the movie. They weren't even playing against anybody. It was nope. just about having a baseball and making people fit in to, to go with the flow. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I think. I never thought about the movie that way until you just brought that up. Scott. Oh, it's Paul. That's so awesome because you, when you think about it, so, so I grew up when I was a little kid on a cul-de-sac, it had four or five houses um, in there and each of the houses had kids, but they were all different ages, right? I was by far the youngest, but I had the I had the sports equipment. I had the ball and I had the bat and I had a basketball. And so I got to play with them because I had the stuff. Um, now, at first, um, they I, I can recall them you know, not being super happy about it and not really I didn't really get a fair shake. But as they kept going on and as we kind of grew together as a group, um, you know, we all found our role, you know, we found a place and, and we were, we were tight. And and some of those kids were 10 years older than I was, um, you know, with that, but um, we got a chance and it's because what became the most important thing was the game because the game, the game ruled all. And that's what we focused on. It was it was beautiful. I loved growing up there, Scott. So as you mentioned earlier, that you you, you got into Twitter Twitter and decided to create or attempt to create a presence of some sort of your own, right? What 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 was that? And what 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 was the presence you wanted to create? What presence have you created if they're not the same? And uh, you know, and why? Those are great questions. Um, so you know, I think. You know, 2020 was such a such a bizarre year. I mean, uh, March 17th of 2020, um, we went fully online. And that was that was just it was mind altering. I mean, it was crazy. And 
and so I think part of my my thing on there was I I was like oh, I gotta I can't do this anymore. I mean, this is crazy. If we are if we can't be in school, I don't really have a place, and I mm-hmm. and and so I got to find something else to do, and I got to make some money, I got to build a business, whatever it may be, and then you know, then I was trying to figure out what it was. I mean, and so I think at the time, what was I, 50, I don't know, was it 54? Yeah, 54. And, you know, I'm so here I am. I'm old. I'm not really a tech guy, obviously. Um, and I don't really get this stuff. Um, what am I good at? Well, you know, I like to run. I've been successful as a, as a hacker, you know, hacker runner. You know, um, I've, you know, I love, I love to hike. I love to backpack. I love to get outside. Um, you know, I'm an athlete, I'm a teacher. So I, I tried to make it a little bit, uh, my tweets kind of like what kids might hear in my class, you know, some of my, um, some of my quips, some of my weird observations, some of my really weird connections, um, that I would make between sports and real life situations and, um, like that. And, you know, I hooked up with some really good people, um, some kids, some young kids. I mean, they were kids. I mean, they still they're really young, but they're really good at it. And they really helped me with my, you know, my presence and helped me with my my message and, and how to and how to build an audience and such like this. The reason that it kind of it got up to a certain level and it kind of plateaued is because I was like, OK, but what do I have? What do, what do I, what's my solution? What am I, what am I selling people here? What's my offer? And Mm -hmm. I really didn't have one. I mean, necessarily other than the fact that, you know, I think I'm a pretty good guy and, and I like to talk and I like to have fun and I'm, I'm well read. I like to do, you know, I like to converse. I'm curious. Um, I think that's why Paul and I get along so well is that, you know, we're kind of along those same lines, you know, with that, but I didn't really have a, an offer. And so I just kind of backed off a little bit and in terms of trying just to create new stuff and just kind of, you know, let life kind of unfold, let my social media presence kind of unfold. And, and you know, recently um, I've decided that I, I kind of want to pick up the intensity again and it will be, you know, me, um, just just who I am and you know, trying to bring my various interests into, into whatever conversations that people want to have with me. And, and what is that what you have to offer you? Yeah, I think right now it is. I mean, and, you know, and, and so then you start bringing things in like, all right, so what, what, what is, what are you? And, and so I'm, you know, I'm 57 and I, still run and act and, and jump and, and play like a 14 year old. And I think there's some, there's some lessons that can be learned from that um, in terms of nutrition, in terms of working out, in terms of, um, you know, mindset, in terms of focus, in terms of, you know, uh, some habits. I mean, things like um, I know people will tweet a lot about, you know, not, not having Netflix or not having TV and things like that we haven't had TV in the house in four years, uh, four and a half years. And I haven't watched a newscast in five years. I, you know, so when the, so so when the, so when the submarine thing starts getting Mm -hmm. tweeted on Twitter, I'm just like, what, what is that? What's going on? What's this, what are they talking about a submarine thing? So I have to actually look it up and then I say, okay, got it. And it's, and so I've got those kind of habits. I get up every morning. Um, I haven't woken up to an alarm clock in probably five years. I get up every morning between three thirty and four, um, and I sit down and I journal and I write just kind of top of mind stuff, just kind of what's going on. And so, I've got a lot of those kind of sort of life skills that a lot of people talk about as being, you know, things that you help you be successful. And so I do those things, and so that's probably going to be, you know, the direction I go. Interesting. That, well, that's, that's what I love. I got involved more in Twitter during COVID, of course, and mm-hmm. I went back and got securities license and thought I was going to be part of money Twitter forever. And, and then I find myself competing with all these 20 something year olds that really haven't lived life, but they're tweeting like right. they've lived life. Does that make sense? And it, would, <laughs> it would make me mad and I would be starting to fight back with them. I'm like, what am I even doing? And at the end Great. of the day, 
you know, you just have to be your authentic self. And, and we, you just pinned it. There's so many lessons people could learn from you because you've had the experience. Right. And because I've made a lot of mistakes, you know, Absolutely. and, you know, I mean, the, the, the TV thing. Well, it's not it, I didn't come out of the I didn't come out of my my college days going, yeah, you know what? TV needs to TV's bad. It's because I watch too much damn TV and, and my attitude was, was terrible because of it. And, you know, and, and Paul, I totally agree with what you're talking about the young kids, because a lot of stuff that I see tweeted, I'm just like, are you, what? That does, that doesn't make any sense. First of all, you're 20. How would you know? And, and, you know, if you haven't, if you haven't had to change multiple diapers, if you haven't had to, don't, don't, don't tell me how to raise my kids. You don't know. And, I, and so uh, oh, sorry. I I I call it like the masculinity Twitter, the fatherhood Twitter. And I used to reach yeah. out to some of them, thinking I could be part of the community. It's like, hey, I get it. I'm 51. I have grown daughters that are independent. I can help you out. And then crickets, right? Because they don't they don't want you there. They right. they're literally right. they're playing off people that that don't know any better and, and i scott i think you're part of what i call perspective twitter okay uh because we like all we're doing is just sharing perspective i i don't want to say the other side like we're going downhill but we we right. are on the other side is that a fair statement <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah so so you know uh, yeah I, I mean so you share your journey your stories your mistakes right. what you're doing now and it's just funny the crickets you hear from people, but you know, right. I, I love what you're doing just for those reasons. Well, it's funny because I tweeted the other day, um, you know, cause it's, it's so funny. Sometimes people, especially when they're young, they, they go, Oh, you're old. And they, and they, and, it, and they say it like they're one apologizing for it or two, they <laughs> think it's going to hurt my feelings or, and I'm like, well, duh. Yeah, I'm, I'm old. I'm 57. I mean, I get it. But so my tweet was like, hey, I'm 57. I'm old, but I'm not stupid. I'm not slow. I'm not weak and I'm not unskilled, you know, and, you know, and so those things, you know, I, I used to love playing. Um, so I lost my hair pretty early and um, I used to play City League basketball until my mid 30s, I guess. You know, I played a bit of that and I would remember I, I'd play and these guys would come out and, you know, we're choose they're choosing who they're going to guard and all this kind of stuff. And I inevitably got called the old guy or the bald guy. I got the old guy, I got the bald guy. And so, you know, in the first five minutes of the game, I dropped three or four threes on them and, you know, do some stuff. And then I just kind of look at him and say, anything else? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, don't, don't make a judgment based on, on the appearance, especially something like that. But you know, I, I embrace it. I mean, I just, I mean, cause yeah. what other choice do we have? Right. I mean, I'm not going to hide from it. Yeah. I'm 57. You want to race? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, I know Matt's got some, some, some good questions, but uh, that that's it. Like I, I tell everybody 50 is a new 30. That's what I say, uh -huh. you know? Yeah. And, and when you're teaching, like, you get older every year and your clientele, your students stay the same. So the right. fact that you still have that energy, that's what I always say. Like it's harder and harder each year, but you're doing it. And yes. an 18 year old, a 25 year old, I don't know. They, they just think everything, I, I don't, they just don't know. And I, that's why when I say perspective Twitter, I, that's why I love your tweets because it's sinking in, you know, whether you're, you're the mom or dad, they don't want to listen to, or the, the uncle that just comes in and drops some advice, uh, what, what you're doing is working. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you're 57. They will be someday, God willing. Right. I mean, it's, 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 yeah. it's not, you know, it's, it's, it all, that always cracks me up as if someone's uh, immune to such a thing. Right. Uh, there's only one way to be immune to it and that's not good. And it's not good. No, I, it's it's like when my mom, she, uh, you know, when she'll complain about a birthday, I'm like, Mom, what's the other option? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, come so, on. Scott, so tell me about the shirt you're wearing. Does that have any kind of uh, a, 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 any kind of meaning or or? Well, it says it says on the top of the pile. It says don't tread on anyone. Uh, you know, I 
it's it's funny. I've I really try to avoid labels because, especially when you when you're talking political, I mean, you know, uh, political labels have become so loaded and have become Agreed. so so complex. And so when you look at like when I was growing up, that you know, the the parties would talk about a plank, and there was probably about like what six or eight things on the plank. And, you know, if, if you agreed with five of them, you know, you're in pretty good shape, you know, with being on that political party. Now these planks are like, I mean, they are so complex and so convoluted and there's so many different, mm-hmm. you know, people that are represented in so many different areas that it's like, it's become mind numbing. And so I've kind of gradually gone towards you know, I guess libertarianism, although I even hate that label label because it's, it's the same kind of thing. It's literally just, there's so much, much going on. So anyways. Interesting. I, I, uh, I can relate to everything you said there and, and probably a vast majority of this country probably could. And, and, um, I'm, I'm with you. I, 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 uh, the labels are, are, are too, it's too convoluted. And I figured I had something something maybe to do with that but i couldn't let it pass without without, without <laughs> and and i'll be honest with you um so my my rules in my pe class are really simple be kind mm-hmm. play hard and have fun but your fun can't ruin somebody else's fun and and so that to me i mean don't tread on anyone that that basically encapsulates that because that's all it's about you know what? We're going to be kind, not, not nice. You don't have to be, you know, disingenuous you don't have right. to be, you don't have to like everyone, yeah. but kindness is a kindness is a requirement. Play hard. That means you do your best. Um, and then have fun, which is why we're here, but the fun, you know, it can't ruin somebody else's fun. Now, if somebody's like, well, but what if they, their fun is based on winning or losing? Well, then, you know, then, you know, then they're going to have a problem, but I'm talking about, don't steal their stuff. Don't bully them. Don't say anything mean to them. Just, you know, let's just go from there. So that's kind of my, that's been kind of my mantra. So when I saw this shirt, I was like, okay, I got to have that. Yeah, got it. Those sound like real. Those are are rules that would take you through your entire life. And you don't see that. Paul, I was going to say the same thing. Those are just values. No, I'm glad you said it. Those are just values that if, if, you know, anyone has those values, yeah, you're going to, you're going to do pretty well. Mm Mm-hmm. That's, you know, and that's, I mean, I, I know that's what Paul teaches because, uh, you know, it's Paul's tweets and his program. And, you know, that's my that's my big thing in in, in my classes. And, it, and when I was a classroom teacher, it was the same thing, um, you know, with that is that school so much becomes about the stuff, you know, the curriculum and all that. And it's not about the stuff. The stuff is not really that complex and it's not that difficult. But what is difficult is learning how to learn, but then learning how to learn in the context of a school when other people are there to learn as well, how to negotiate those things, right, which we talked about earlier. And so um, anything that I can do to kind of crystallize that forum in some pretty tight, concise um, statements, you know, I think works pretty well. You, you know, you you summed it up. I, I played in a, a pretty large best ball golf tournament this weekend and mm-hmm. i was now that my girls are grown up and out of college i was asked by a former student and if he's listening i know he listens so he's gonna laugh i can't remember if he graduated in 2005 or 2007 doesn't matter but uh uh-huh. when i was there there were probably a half a dozen to a dozen other ex-students that play golf and you know there's a social hour and we get talking and i always ask him i'm like what do you remember like what did i actually teach you in the classroom and they never mention curriculum, Scott. Like, there's not one note. Right. There's not one fact. They're just like we just we just remember the energy. And if if you picked on us and we picked on you, you just laughed. Like you didn't send us to the office. And right. But, but there were bored. You know, they they just go on and on. And it's it's the priceless stuff. I wish more young educators know that's mm-hmm. that's there if they waited out a while. Well, it's interesting when when you hear some teachers. So every time I get asked, oh, what do you teach? You know, when somebody finds out I'm a teacher, what do you teach? Well, I teach children, you know, and, uh, you know, and or, you know, I teach young, you know, young humans. Well, no, I mean, what do you teach? 
well, what do you mean? And it's like, well, what subject? Oh, oh, my subject is PE or, you know, whatever it may have been. We don't, the focus should not be on the stuff. The focus is on the people in front of us. And, you know, um, the only difference between them and us is that I've got more experience than they do. That's it. I am no better, no yeah. worse, anything like that. And um, I don't need to save them. Um, but I do need to let them know that I respect them and that I'm there for them and that we can do this together. And I'm not there to judge. Uh, I'm not there to, I'm not there to do anything, but help them. And so, so Scott, you've been doing this. I'm going to do some math here. 30, 35 years. Is that a good guess? No, man, I started late. Um, I, I, I got an MBA and I was going to set the world on fire in business no way. And, uh, um, with that. So I started, uh, uh, this is my, just finished my 20th year. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. So you've yeah. been doing it a long time though. It doesn't yeah. change my, doesn't change my question. Yeah. So my, <laughs> my question is what's, what's changed for better and for worse in these last 20 years that that's just, you know, noticeable to you um i would say um kids aren't kids as long as they used to be um there's a real seems to be a real um they're they're attempting to be teenagers when they're 10 a mm. lot more now than mm. than when i started when i started um you know, kids were kids, you know, really for quite a while. And then I had the the pleasure of, you know, being the K through eight. And so I had the seventh and eighth grade program for all subjects um, with there. And the great thing about it, that those kids got to be kids until they were 14 um, with that. And so I've just noticed that society seems to be uh, pressuring and, and, and I don't think it's on purpose, but it's just kind of the direction we're going. Um forcing kids to be to to drop their childhood much earlier mm. and and that that's the biggest thing and so you know you've got kids that uh, they're unhappier um, i mean we got we got boyfriend girlfriend things going on you know third grade second grade and it's just like what is that all right. about girls girls had cooties until i was a seventh grader i know that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, agrees. <laughs> so that's that. This makes sense to me now. I always feel because I I I played college golf. I played on mini tours. I was supposed to be the next Tiger Woods. Well, and here I am talking to you guys with no disrespect. You know, uh, <laughs> I was in the business finance world for two years, and and my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, was was a high school counselor, and I'm like, what you do seems so crazy fun and. I went back at nights and didn't start teaching until I was 25. And mm -hmm. I feel like, do you feel the perspective you get by having an alternative track before education is better than just going through the entire system? Or am I making too broad of a stereotype there? No, I don't think so. I, um, I chose to go back. Me too. I yeah. mean, that was a, you know, you know, so you, you want to, you want to talk about maybe one of the bigger problems in education is, kids don't get to choose anything. And so if there's no choice, if there's no, if they're not making the choice, then they're not going to be engaged. And so for me as an educator, I was engaged because I went back and I was, let's see, I had kids, my kids were uh, like second grade and kindergarten when I went back. So it was a financial hardship for me to go back to school to get my master's and my certification, um, you know, with that. So I chose it. I was fired up. I was excited. I wanted to get this thing done. And, and that became, you know, kind of what I did, you know, when I went to the classroom, I took all that energy with me because I wanted it. And I think had I done it as a 23 year old, I wouldn't have had that perspective. I wouldn't have wanted it. I would have been, you know, sometimes people think that teaching is settling, um, which I think is just crazy. I think those, those people find out really quickly when they get a classroom that <laughs> it's a heck of a lot harder than they thought. And you need to be able to bring energy and passion and resilience and all that kind of stuff with you every day. Um, and so I think if I had to come in as a 23 year old, 
I don't think I would have been nearly as ineffective as an educator as I was when I came in when I was 36, 37 um, with that. So I agree. Uh, I Someone told me once the problem with education, and I always cringe when they say that because they're usually not educators, right? Right. That that in education, you, you're a student, you grow up, you graduate, you go to college, then you become a teacher. You're institutionalized. Right. And, and even in prison, the, the inmates weren't always inmates. They had a free life before they came back into prison by bad choices. And right. uh, it's hard to change the paradigm and the perspective. And, and it's hard to change the well, how education should be when the people in education always just know education. And that's why right. when, I didn't even know that about you, but it makes sense. The fact you chose to come back like I did, mm-hmm. I think we need more of that. I, I agree. And, and, you know, it's, um, I see the kids, I, I, you know, I see young kids and, and we had incredible turnover at my, at my, the school I just, uh, taught at and, you know, 23 year olds coming in, 23 year olds coming in and getting punched in the face, not literally, but punched in the face with the reality of it and not having any sort of perspective on, anything they have nothing to compare it to um other than their life as far as you know through college or, or what have you and no work experience i mean you know uh, i feel badly for them because i mean teaching is difficult and that's you know that's kind of the the dirty little secret is that it is it is exceptionally difficult and and it is um it it can be it can be sad if you let it because some of these kids you know this Paul I mean some of these kids are, are live in situations that are just horrendous and and have to do things and see things and experience things that nobody should ever have to see much less a child and they have to see them consistently and yet then they you know they're expected to go to school and and perform at school and and do those kind of things it's it makes me cringe when i see all the comparisons to you know private school to public schools and you know you know private schools are so much better and yada yada you know a a great analogy of that is um the fact that you know a, a business you know has a back door where all the raw materials come in and and they get to they get to deny raw materials that are not up to standard I mean, that's a pub, that's a private school right there. They get to deny anyone they want. And whereas a public school, we open the door and say, you're all welcome. You know, do we do everything perfectly? Absolutely not. And we have a, we have a crap ton of problems and, and some of them are intractable and, and I get it, but the mission is still the same, you know, and the, and, you know, and the fact is, is that anyone that, anyone that needs an education they can get it with us. And, and that's, that's something that I think, you know, as educators, we need to be proud of and need to be a little bit more strident about is say, you know what, I don't care if you're defective, you're, you're welcome here um, with that. So, and then, so these kids, so these kids that are teaching, you know, they don't necessarily know this and they don't have anything to fall back on when, when, when it gets tough, cause it does. Matt you, Matt, you see this on your end. I mean, you're grateful for anything we try to push forward because you, if they don't make it through education, then, then there are problems you see. Well, we had a guest on Paul months ago, and I, I forget her name, but she said something that, that I've thought of many times since. She was an educator, Scott, mm-hmm. and um, we were talking about school systems, et cetera, and, and um, me not having – you know, walked in your shoes that you guys fill. One of the things she said, though, that hit home to me, she said, you, as a business owner, um, she said, you're, I think I'd said something, Scott, about, you know, but what's my opinion matter? I don't know, or something like that. Uh She said, no, no, on the contrary, your opinion matters the most. You're the one getting the end result of our work. And Mm -hmm. if you're not happy, not just me, of course, but employers, et cetera, et cetera. If you're not getting something, then then there's a problem. There's a problem with the system. She wasn't. She wasn't. At least mm-hmm. I didn't take it. As the teachers. I, I don't think anybody really thinks that. 
but she was making a statement about about the system, and I, I've, I've, that that kind of hit home with me, and I've been thought about that in those terms ever since. Yeah, it, it's it's absolutely true, and and the system has issues, but there are a lot of great people that are doing it um, daily. Um, that that you know are fighting some some pretty serious odds and and doing some pretty good work. You know, it's interesting. I think one of the biggest problems that we have, though, and I think Paul will concur, is that if you if you look at most businesses, there's a progression. And so your your best and your brightest progress along and get in positions of um, more more authority, more responsibility. Um, but that authority and responsibility still directly pertains to the interface of the business. Right. And so whereas in education, your best and your brightest move on. If they want to move on and people want to make more money, they have to become administrators or, or instructional coaches, et cetera. But it takes them out of the classroom. Yeah. And the classroom is the interface. It is unlike any other any other interaction um, that you'll have, even in business, because even if you have a customer that you are always interacting with, you are always with, you're not with them seven hours a day, every right. day. Um, you know, with that. And that is that is an odd thing that that some of our best teachers, because they want to progress in their careers, they want to make more money and, and all this, they leave the classroom. And honestly, I believe this. The instant you leave the classroom, you forget all a little bit about what it's like to be in the classroom. Some principals are some there's some great people that are principals, but they're not in the classroom. They don't know all the kids. If you got 500 kids and you're in a school, in an elementary school, you don't know all the kids. There's no way. Possible, yeah. uh, you know, it's impossible. And and so then your decisions, then kids start becoming abstractions. They start becoming test scores. They be, start becoming absentee percentages. You know, um, they start becoming IEPs. They start becoming TAG, you know, all those kind of things. They become abstractions. They lose their... Um, well, they Scott, their- in, 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 a, in the business sense... You know, me, I own I own a lot of uh, a lot of subway restaurants. And and when I owned one and two and three, I I knew ever I knew all my employees. Right. And I'm behind right. the line and I'm I'm making subs with them and, and I'm interacting mm-hmm. and they're 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 truly people. Right. And, right. and important right. people and, and, and it's in the same vein as what you're discussing here or saying here. And then as I've grown and grown and grown, you know, the majority of my work kind of gets forced into I'm looking at spreadsheets and I'm looking at numbers and I'm looking at all these other things that are not people. And, and it's Mm. a, it's a battle I fight all the time where it's like, I, I, I got to remember that these things, they're important. Don't get me wrong. They're very important. The health of the business is important. Just like the running the principal's job is important. But they're yes. not the same thing. It's very easy to lose perspective. So I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, not Excellent. exactly, but your point is it, it, even for me as a as an as yeah. a business person, I feel I feel the same way, and it's a tough battle. I think that I think that is pretty much the exact same thing, and I think you said it. I think you said it really well. Um, it's you know, and and the more we treat the more we treat people like abstractions then the the further the, the less connected we are and then the more our decisions um reflect those numbers rather than those people and then that's when you start running into the problems and that's where people don't feel connected that's where kids don't feel connected um you know those types of things and i think part of the reason why they feel more connected in elementary school than they do maybe in middle school and high school is because in elementary school they're with one teacher all the time you're kind of forced to get connected. Whereas when you get to high school, that if you want to shy away and not and not connect with someone, it's pretty easy to do so. You can sit in the back, you can, you know, you do just enough not to draw attention, all this kind of stuff like this. You can you can go through high school and not be connected. And I think that's why we lose kids, um, is because they become a little bit more abstract. Mm. So it, as we as we wind down, because I mean we could take this for three hours, but we're not Joe Rogan. <laughs> no one's going to listen to us for that long. Uh, I, I'm going to go on the other side of that real quick. And I think 
when great teachers leave the classroom, yeah, they become disconnected. I feel there's a large number of administrators that leave the classroom because they don't like to teach. And the incentive is I can become an administrator, make lots of money, and now they become addicted to that lifestyle and they're young without experience and they become, they do whatever the superintendents maybe say instead of becoming fighters for us educators. Right. Uh, so, so, and, and so it goes both ways and I've seen yes. it because- I, you've probably I've been asked countless times, how come you're not an administrator? Well, uh-huh. I love being in the classroom. Do you think there could be a model in theory where the school, the, the staff selects who the leader should be, call it a principal or whatever, and you get like a three to four year term and you run through it, maybe with a cohort from nine to 12 or K to six and then you turn it over and the next person gets voted in. Or can we not right. do that with all the regulations today? Boy, Paul, that's a that's an interesting idea. Um, I think you could make that work. I think it, um, the school would have to be small. Um, yeah. And I think we both we both know that. I mean, the size of the schools are, you know, I, and I know a lot of people focus on the size of the classrooms as being the biggest issue. I think the size of the school is just as big an issue because, um, you know, when you start getting, you know, multi-thousand kids into into an area, that's that's an issue. But I, I like that, Paul. Um, I think you would find that you could find that in rural areas um, pretty easily. Um you know, the new school I'm moving to, um, I don't know if uh, you guys know this or not, it's it's a kindergarten through 12th grade. And it, it, the whole district is in one school. And it's got 220 kids kindergarten through 12th grade. And wow. I'm going to be the I'm going to be the PE teacher for that whole school. Wow. Uh, so um, that's like a dream job for me. Now, it is out in the middle of nowhere. And and. If you're not familiar with, um, you know, Eastern Oregon and the the interior of the West of the United States, um, it's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we'll just put it that way, which is uh, good for me too. But so I like that, Paul. Um, I really like that. Um, you know, I like the rotation of it. Um, I like the rotation of it. Three, four years, like a cohort, you kind of go yeah. through. I that's that's got some merit to it for sure. But but you hit it's got to be small. Uh, it's got to be small, and and I feel we're going the other way, unfortunately. I I would agree. I think everything's about efficiency. I think everything is about scale. You know, we've we've, mm. you know, uh, John Dewey lost the the battle a long time ago to um, you know to the idea of the factory schools. I mean that's you know the, the whole economies of scale just doesn't work with 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 people you know when we're talking about kids and um being efficient um being efficient in a school is i I get it we need to be efficient with our resources but we don't have to be efficient with everything to the point where we can't have a relationship with the child because we've got to be efficient and go do you know, something else according to the schedule or, or what have you. And, you know, but if, if small, I think I, I like your idea a lot. Um, I'd be interested. Are there any, are there any schools that do stuff like that, Paul? That I don't know. I want to start trying to research and reach out. I don't okay. think so. I mean, in theory, well, you know, we'll end it in theory, you could still have the administrator, the paper pusher, the whatever, right? Uh-huh. Like, you almost need like a student teacher liaison or something that's just right. that, that has power to make decisions, not just like, oh, well, yeah. hey, how about this? Oh, well, let me ask so and so. And then as soon as they do that, right. you know, they don't really have right. any power. Well, you know, so one of the things I did at my K-8, so we had a full full fledged sports program there, too. Now, we didn't have football, but we had, you know, um, we had volleyball and cross and then we had boys and girls basketball. Then we had boys and girls track. And I coached all of those with the exception of uh, volleyball. So wow. I coached all of them. And for the first four or five years, um, I didn't get paid. And I, my principals kept trying to get me. And I, I was like, no, 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 I don't want to be paid. And finally, one of them said, why don't you want to be paid? And I said, because the second they pay me, then I have to listen to what they say. 
<laughs> and I said, and so I am, I am doing this strictly for the benefit of the kids. And there are certain things I know that they need, but I don't want anyone meddling with my practice schedule, my game schedule, how we get back and forth. I will adhere to all the district policies as far as, you know, uh, how they have to sign up and pay to play and all this kind of stuff. That's great. I don't have a problem with that. But as soon as they start paying me, that gives them, they think, the right to tell me what to do. And I don't want to have to deal with that. So, but finally, I did get paid. Um, I was, <laughs> it, was, it was, I was the most reluctant uh, uh, getting paid coach uh, in history, but um, it worked out. Well, but that happens. I mean, that, yeah. you know, hey, promise me at least a year from now, because Matt and I are going nowhere. We're committed with this podcast weekly okay. weekly weekly no matter what promise me when you settle in in your small school you come back on this we we tried only go 30 to 45 minutes but we couldn't stop with you we're <laughs> well, like an I, hour in and that's a good thing you know i have a tendency to talk so that's uh that's pretty easy for me um <laughs> yeah i would i would love to and and i gotta tell you um this place has two full-size gyms one for the elementary one for the high school it's got a weight room. It's got a 400 meter track. It's got, uh, it's, I am, and it's got a, you know, they are fired up to, to, to have a PE teacher. They haven't had one in two years. So um, it's, this is going to be pretty exciting. Well, you're, you're one of the most authentic guys in education that I've never met until tonight. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Well, th this isn't really personal, but you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. It's funny, Paul, because we've been, we've been, we've been in each other's orbits for a really long yeah. time. Yeah. But, and that's why last night I'm like, so what we do is we'll go a couple guests and Matt and I have a couple episodes without guests and Matt, we're mm -hmm. like, it's time for a guest again. Who do you got? And you were the first guy that like, it's time for you to come back on, you know, come on. So excellent. We, we love it. It'll, it'll be uh we'll, we'll have it out on Sunday. It's Spotify, Apple, YouTube, we're, we're big time in our heads. So, you know, fantastic. Well, this is cool. I really appreciate the opportunity and uh, I love to chat about this stuff. So um, it's important. Kids are important. Yeah. Well, you're, you're one of the true guys that I feel someday I'll meet in person. I'll say it right now on the podcast. So we'll uh, definitely do it. Absolutely. Scott, thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you guys. Thank uh, you, Scott. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Talk thank soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.